Super glad to have you. Hey, let me give you a little gander update. We've got a couple pictures. This Friday, we had kind of a last-minute work day, and we had a bunch of people show up, and they got up all the carpet, and uh, yeah, here we go, all the carpet and all the, uh, the tiles off the floor, kind of getting ready to, you know, to do construction there. Um, anyway, I want to say, number one, thanks for all those that came out and volunteered. And as we build this thing, uh, we're going to have a chance for a lot of opportunities, you know, just to do cleanup and things, save us some money, because how I many know uh, the more work we can do, the less we have to hire somebody else to do. So we right now, we have a, a number of professionals. We have a, our architect, Joe Cruz. Joe, stand up. Is, is he here today? I saw him earlier. All right. Well, anyway, he was in first service. Our architects in our church, our contractor, Jason's in our church, Chris Lilly, electrical engineer. So if you have any skills in these areas or hang sheetrock or whatever, there'll be a time where we can get names and, and, and really be able to take some ownership in God's house. But the last six weeks, we have our design team has met with our architect, and I'm happy to tell you we're about 99% through on the master plan for the interior. So we'll be getting you a picture of that as soon as we can. But I, again, as Pastor Mike said, I want to thank you for giving towards our, our, our future, our dream at Gander Mountain, towards the land and otherwise. And uh, if you notice in the bulletin, we had a great first quarter just in our tithing. Well, let me tell you this. That money's not wasted. We'll save it all and put it right towards Gander. So together, we'll do this thing for Jesus. Praise the Lord. Well, I missed you last week. Missed you too, Pastor. Thank you so much. That's really great to know that I was missed. We uh, celebrated our 36th anniversary, uh, 72 years between us. And the great thing about it is uh, my wife lets me pick a place to go where I can turkey hunt too. And uh, it's turkey season, so you might, you know, I may miss a, a Sunday or two this time of the year. But I want to show you a little picture here of the biggest turkey I've ever seen. Those are my little decoys, and this buffalo just kind of wandered up and decided it would be my pet. And I thought, well, it's got a beard on it there. But I never heard it gobble. <laughs> hey, turn your Bibles this morning. 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel 11. This is in our Bible reading a couple of about 10 days ago. And as I read this, the Lord spoke to me. And I believe the Lord said something like this. Tell my people their sexual choices matter. Let me say it again. Tell my people their, their sexual choices matter. In the Old Testament, uh, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent out Joab in the whole Israelite army, but David, King David, remained in Jerusalem. He's, he's described in the New Testament as, as a man after God's own heart. But how many know even good godly people make mistakes? One evening, David got up from his bed, walked around the roof of his palace, and he saw a woman bathing. She's very beautiful. David sent someone to find out about her. And the man said, she's Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, who happens to be your friend. But something had taken over David, and he disregarded all that, sent messengers to get her, and she came to him, and he slept with her. And the woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I'm pregnant. Now, I want to ask you a question. Is there anything wrong with what David did? Before you just, how do you know there's something wrong with that? I mean, it's a really good chance a lot of TV shows we watch, a lot of movies we go to have this plot in it. I mean, listen, this part of David's story would make a great movie. The problem is they wouldn't show the consequences afterwards. But, but this is a part of Americana now. Uh, sexual experiences that have no boundaries, 
that have no limits. It's just up to the individual. Uh, but these choices matter. And the question I want to begin with today is how do we know what David did was wrong? How do we know the difference between right and wrong when it comes to sexual choices? Well, we're going to go to God's Word today. I stand before you as someone who believes that the Bible is literally not just the Scripture, the Bible, but it is the Word of God, which means that the words that were recorded in this book, some 66 books together, some 44 different authors, written over hundreds and hundreds of years, all bear continuity in a theme, and it is a revelation of God to man. And I come to you today from the perspective of we know what's right and wrong on the basis of what God tells us in the Bible. And that's what I'd like to do today. You will not hear me beat you up, but you will hear me encourage you. You will hear me today, uh, hopefully in a loving tone, be able to challenge you with the truth of what happens in terms of our sexual choices that we make. I share with you today, not as just some preacher in some suit on a Sunday morning, but uh, I have uh, lived, been married to Linnell 36 years. Uh, I have not had a relationship with another woman on this planet or any other planet in those 36 years. But when I was a teenager, 17, 18, and 19, I was a worldly guy. So there's a humility about that because it speaks to us where most of us either live or have lived. And I want to be able to share with you today in that, uh, in that vein. In the message, I've entitled it Sexual Choices. I want to first contrast what the world believes. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to simply read some headlines and bylines from newspapers and, and, and websites. Then I'm going to talk to you about a number of scriptures we'll just read from the Bible to see what God thinks about uh, this sexual experience and what the boundaries are to be. And then we'll go back to David and, and learn a couple things. But let's explore first modern sexuality, some headlines and bylines. The first one is from a San Francisco school district. The headline is, let's hand out condoms to sixth graders. Here's another one, ingredients for a memorable prom. <laughs> Get a drop-dead dress, a special corsage, romantic dances, and condoms. And all this reflects a worldview. All this, what I'll read to you, reflects an understanding of what's right and wrong. And in many cases, we teach to our children. Uh, here's another one from a Gallup poll. Two in three Americans support same-sex marriage. Here's a transgender title. Hormones, surgery, and regret. The byline, I was a transgender woman for eight years. At first I was giddy for the fresh start. But hormones and sex change surgery couldn't solve the underlying issues driving my gender confusion. One closer to home, a Hooks, Texas man sexually abused a young female relative over and over again for more than a year, was sentenced to life without parole. Look, guys, Miller County, Bowie County, you have a, 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 abuse, sexually abused a child, you're going to spend a long time in jail. But again, it's a part of the sexual morality. It's a part of the freedom. And you say, well, how are they connected? There's laws against that. Uh, pornography and child pornography explodes over the internet and off the shelves. And these addictions that our society creates in fostering lust in people, it drives it more and more perverse. It drives it outside natural boundaries. 
A Catholic bishop said this, uh, the Catholic Church suffers from a crisis of sexual morality. It's what we read about the uh, priests abusing, in particular, young boys. Uh, the first owner of the world's most advanced sex robot says that she's so lifelike, he's considering making her his full-time girlfriend. New Jersey, second state to require schools to teach LGBT material, indoctrination at an early age. The Supreme Court, several years ago, legalizes gay marriage nationwide. Sex trafficking, this is the Daily Signal, sex trafficking is a pandemic in the U.S. We watch the flu, the patterns of the flu go across America. Well, right now, there are multiplied hundreds of hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of young girls in particular and young boys that are in sex slavery. Uh, it is the modern-day slavery. We hear so little about it. Here's an interesting one, uh, Huffington Post. Pornography sites get more visitors each month than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. From Charisma News, the porn industry's annual revenue is more than the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball combined. Now listen to some stats from Charisma. Pornography use increases marital infidelity by more than 300%. 11 is the average age a child is first exposed to porn. 56% of American divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. See, culture teaches us lust and not love. 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Sexting, which is sending nude pictures by text message, is shockingly common among teens, CBS News. Three new TV series take infidelity out of the shadows, cheating, adultery, sleeping with someone who's not your spouse. And lastly, LGBT characters are growing in number on broadcast TV. Now, are you bothered by what I read? Or are we so acclimated and desensitized because it is everywhere? Everything is sold with sex. But is anything wrong with the world's view of morality, what I've just read? Is it right or is it wrong? Because everything I've read with you is in contrast or can be contrasted with a clear biblical teaching that puts it outside of biblical morality. Uh, what I'm going to do in this next section, I'm gonna, we're going to ask the question, what does God's Word, the Bible, say about sexual morality? And again, this is where the choice has to be made. Decades ago, our culture... It's, you cannot... Uh, an intelligent person cannot argue with the fact that America was founded by Christian people and that the Bible was foundational. I mean, I could, Blackstone's commentary in the law, you know, uh, you look at Harvard, Yale, and their, and their charters, they all mention Jesus Christ, they all mention the Bible. But what our culture has done with the Bible is this. We don't want it, we don't care what it says. We'll form and shape our new reality. We'll replace creation with Darwin, We'll replace the Genesis 1-1 with the Big Bang, and we don't need God, and we do the same thing with morality. But whether people embrace it or not, let me tell you what the Bible teaches of itself. It is authoritative truth relevant to today. Now, the concept of truth, absolute truth, which means it's timeless, it's impactful for every generation over time, uh, tr it, it, it's true for all of us. That's, not, that's mocked today in today's society. In today's society, we have deified self 
to the degree that everyone gets to choose right and wrong for themselves. Well, that's not, that's not Bible. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God. And it's useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Now, everybody gets to choose. You get to choose by the way you live, whether you believe that statement or whether you don't. But have the courage to recognize that our actions really say what we believe about the Bible. Uh, so am I willing to make sexual choices according to God's word, or am I going to just flow with culture? I want to tell you a great little testimony. It's real life. I have a friend of mine that I have known for a number of years, and if you could see the stage, there's kind of a line here. I'm going to look at it as kind of a separation. And this is where God wants us to live in purity uh, while we're young, in purity until we marry, and uh, then we live in purity after marriage. But across this line, this line is a line of sexual morality. It's what is in the world. And it's the same pull to go here, just like when Eve was in the garden, and the devil came to her and said, if you'll just eat the bite of this fruit, life will be better. It offers pleasure, it offers knowledge, it offers satisfaction, it offers fulfillment. And just as the devil's pulling, the world is pulling. Well, my friend was at a confused, I guess, or unhappy place in life and started putting their foot across the line. And they put it there, but yet they were in church. But the more they put it there, the harder they found that it to stay. And I don't just mean in church, I mean in God's ways. And their testimony is they were just about to go full throttle, Move over here, because listen to this, this deception. They believed God wanted them to be happy. And because they were looking for love and care or wanted to express their lust, that was happiness. And the second fallacy was that God will forgive me no matter what I do. Okay? There's truth in that. But when you defy God to get you in trouble. But here's the good news. What they said was the conviction of the Holy Spirit became so strong that they decided to tell that partner they didn't want anything to do with them. And they're going to live over here because they know the Jesus, come on, that died on the cross. And they want to please him more than please themselves. Now I can virtually guarantee you that most every one of us in this room today have a similar struggle that we face in life. I know I do. It is a struggle that is in the heart of people. Let's get a little deeper here. Um, Hebrews 13. This is kind of the basis for sexual intimacy. Hebrews 13.4. Honor marriage. That's between a man and a woman, a biological male and female. And guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between husband and wife. Sacredness is not a word that we hear when you talk about sex. Come on now, there's all sorts of crass terms and words, but there's sacredness in marriage, and it says God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. So that's kind of the basis. So let's start at a good place. God is for sex. And all the men said, God is for sex, and half the men said, sex is how we get kids. And sex is for enjoyment. So don't turn red on me or I'll start turning red. In case you didn't notice, God created us with these enjoyable feelings, these pleasurable feelings that come from this act of sexual intimacy. I mean, listen. The sexual joy that you experience is not because two amoebas bumped into each other 
is not become because oxygen and carbon and hydrogen said, woo. It's because God created us for this. But he put a fence around it. He put a boundary, and he said, in that boundary is what I'm going to call marriage. It's a lifelong commitment between a man and a woman. And the basis is Genesis 2.24. A man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and they'll become one body. And it's the picture of sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. Now, when we get outside of this, here's what the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. God's will is for you to be holy. Now, that's an that's a in-your-face statement. I believe the Bible is all God's will, properly interpreted. Uh, but, but when it specifically says, God wants you to do this. God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all... Yeah, and it's that word sin that causes problem in American culture. Because people want to do what they want to do, and they want to say that it's right and moral just because they choose to do it. But this word sexual sin or sexual immorality is the Greek word porneia. It is the broadest term of sexual immorality, and it refers to any kind of sexual intercourse outside of marriage. Uh, verse 4, each of you will control his own body. I can't just pray and ask God to do it all. I have to be disciplined. I have to choose that that's the path I'm going to follow. Look at verse 5. The opposite is, don't live in lustful passion like pagans who don't know God and his ways. Verse 6, never harm or cheat a fellow believer by violating his wife. Or never harm a fellow sister by violating her husband, by seducing her husband. And this warning, the Lord avenges all such sins. Do you think Eve was happy with what the devil promised her in her temptation? It was no quicker than she took that first bite that the bottom fell out. Well, this is the same direction we're heading. Verse 8 is another strong one. Anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting... Wow! Look, this is, a, this, is, this is strong this morning. So I had some seatbelts put on the chairs, just like turbulence. So if you feel rocking a little bit, just put your seatbelt on. Hang on. Uh, but again, I want to help you. I want to help myself. I want to end my life as a Christian, and Jesus looks at me, and I don't want to drop my head in shame. I want to know that I've lived in a way that pleases Him. I want my love for God to be greater than my lust for someone that more than likely a relationship won't last long at all. That's just the way it works. I want to talk about uh, the, the different sins that the Bible speaks of. Uh, let's talk first about the heterosexual sins. They're called fornication and adultery. And then we'll talk about the homosexual sin. Fornication, by definition, is a consensual sexual intercourse between two people not married to each other. It's hooking up. Adultery, voluntary sexual intercourse between a married man and someone other than his wife or a married woman and someone other than her husband. It's kind of plain. It's very straightforward there. Uh, let's look at Proverbs 5. The first early chapters of Proverbs deal with a lot of this. Uh, in Proverbs 5, it could be fornication, single people, or, or adultery, either one. But I want you to listen to the tone of the passage. Uh, verse 3, the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey. 
you could you could easily say the lips of an immoral man it's the kiss or it's the words and the words followed by a kiss in other words if you're trying to live right and you get your eye on somebody or maybe they get their eye on you and every time you look they're looking at you and before you know it and then you hear it and then they say nobody's gonna find out I was born for you or they might even say God told me it was okay but these lips and and, and you're particularly you know, you know just because you're married a long time oftentimes you become more susceptible because marriage becomes same marriage the, the thrill is gone particularly if you've lived over in lust world and you've experienced a number of sexual partners and now you're living in same world and you think lust is the same as love and you don't know the difference but you can be at a vulnerable spot and all it takes for a man is well it takes two things number one just a little skin all you have to do is just wear those those pant, uh, pants with holes in them and it doesn't take much are you with me you know it's true but you can be working and you don't get honor at home a man's greatest need recognition there a little cheerleading uh, and someone that you're working with regularly tells you you do a great job the company wouldn't be in as good a shape as it in if you weren't here and before you know it somebody's meeting an emotional need and then before you know it a sexual relationship follows the lips of an immoral woman or man are as sweet as honey then the strangest thing in the end she's as dangerous as a double-edged sword her feet go down to death now wait a minute this is not what I I didn't experience any of that at 18 she cares nothing about the path to life he or she are staggering down a crooked trail and don't even realize it what is the crooked trail listen when you're in that game particularly when you're young and I want you to hear me guys you don't think about a sexually transmitted disease could prevent you from having children you don't think about if you get pregnant and then somebody's pushing for an abortion and then you carry guilt and shame I understand you carry guilt and shame for years you don't understand that you can have sex and destroy your marriage you can lose the respect of your children and if you end up in divorce statistically you'll never have as much money when you divide everything up are, are you with me today we just don't understand the condemnation the shame anyway uh, it's just not everything it's promised to be that's why people go from one sexual relationship to another because we're looking for something that can never be found outside of the bonds of a committed relationship that God called marriage now don't let the devil condemn you in any fashion because I'm not concerned about what you're doing yesterday I'm concerning about what you're gonna do today and in the future see when you took that cup of communion today I don't care what perverse thing you've done Jesus can forgive everybody say who has good news Jesus can forgive and longs to forgive don't get hung up in yesterday but it's the way that we live our future I had somebody tell me between services I won't tell you who it was but they said uh, I, I, I've been uh, uh, separated from my wife and I have been uh, uh, chaste and and pure for eight years can I be a virgin now <laughs> and I, I told him I said we'd have a ceremony and make you one after church but anyway <laughs> it's not just what was or what is it's what will be but what is verse 8 what's God's counsel in verse 8 
stay away. Don't go near the door of her house. Here's the fact, friend. The closer you get to it, the more you're going to want to do it. Wait, that rhymes. Um, you'll lose your honor. Merciless people will take all you've achieved. You'll lose it. Strangers will consume your wealth. You don't believe that? Go to divorce court. You don't believe that? Look at a disgraced minister. Look at someone, how their kids look at them after, they, after he's left mom. And you'll say, how I hated discipline. If I'd only not ignored the warnings, why didn't I listen to my teachers? I'll tell you why. Because you strayed in your relationship with God. And other things became more important. Verse 14, I've come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I'm going to face public disgrace. But now look at the flip side. Share your love only with your wife. Which, by the way, this is a two-part message, and, and, and the next time we do it, we're going to talk about the positive benefits of, of, of staying on God's side of purity. But share your love only with your wife. And then he asked the question, why have sex with just anyone? But that is not a question you ask when you're in the back seat of a car and the windows are fogged up. That's a question that you ask now. Why have sex with just anyone? Reserve it for yourselves. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Now let me tell you this. If you're in a marriage right now and you are not captivated by the love of your spouse, let this be a hope that it's possible. And begin to pray and ask God to take what's th this to make it back into that. Uh, why, again, be captivated by an immoral woman? The Lord sees clearly what a man does. Okay, let's move on. Those were sins of heterosexuality, uh, 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 adultery, fornication. Let's talk about the sin of homosexuality. Now, many that are in the homosexual lifestyle will say, I was born that way. I have this attraction in my side. And implicit in that is, because I feel it, I should do it. Well, guess what? In that same logic, I was born to be an adulterer. But I don't commit adultery. And it's not because I don't feel like doing it. You're an old man. So what? I talked to 80-year-old men. I asked him one day, old guy, I said, hey, look, does it ever get better? <laughs> nope. <laughs> so just because you feel like, let me tell you the underlying problem in this. Again, we've thrown away the God of the Bible. The, the, the deity is now self. And our culture teaches us that I have the right to decide whatever I do, whatever I want to, whatever makes me feel good. And if you disagree, you're judging me. These are not the words of someone judging you today. These are the words of someone that loves you and someone that cares enough about you to tell you the truth because one day you'll answer to God for it. Let's talk about this sin of homosexuality. Definition, it is erotic activity with someone of the same sex. It is a tendency to direct your sexual desires toward another person of the same sex, sexual intercourse between people of the same sex. I want to look at Old and New Testament. I want to go first to a city in the Old Testament called Sodom. It was during the days of Abram or Abraham. Uh, Genesis 13 gives us an insight into this city. 
the men of Sodom were great, uh, wicked, great sinners. It was a real city. It was a real place. Uh, if you're old enough to remember sodomy laws, they, present, they, they, they were there to prevent anal intercourse, saying that it was wrong, and it was named after the city of Sodom. Those are, are, are off the books. I remember when Texas removed it from its books. Let's jump ahead to chapter 19. Abram uh, uh, has been told by two angels that God is going to judge that city. So, uh, angels, uh, uh, Abram has a nephew there named Lot, and the angels are going to go to get Lot out. And here's the story. Two angels come to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Lot is sitting there. My lords, he said, come to my home and be my guests for the night. In other words, Lot's telling angels, come stay, you can stay in my house. But before they retired for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, surrounded the house. I wonder why the young were there. It's because the old modeled a lifestyle. It's because, and in America today, we're teaching children the opposite of what I'm telling you from the Bible today. Bring them out, and, and notice what it says. When the men uh, who came to spend, uh, they shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. Tragically, if we jumped ahead in the story, chapter 19, the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. We go to the New Testament. The New Testament even mentions Sodom. The book of Jude, we read this two days ago in our Bible reading. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in the Greek word porneia, and they pursued a natural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. The key word is example. In other words, something happened to people that God doesn't want to happen to you, but you have to avoid the behavior. Now, Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to condense the chapter a little bit, but it, 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 is a, it deeply troubles me as I read this. It saddens my heart when I think about where our culture is today. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who, notice this, suppress the truth by their wickedness. What do you mean? We throw out God's word and we come up with our own definitions of right and wrong. They know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. What does that mean? People know that to, 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 to have a baby calf, you need a bull. You, two bulls won't give you a baby calf. You need a bull and you need a female cow. Nature, natural theology tells us two greenhead mallards won't give you baby ducks. It takes a greenhead mallard and a hen and you get baby ducks. Well, the Bible says it's obvious, but they would not worship him as God. It is a defiance. And notice what it says, their minds became dark and confused as opposed to the light of God's word. Now, I apologize if I'm making you a little uncomfortable today. I apologize if you disagree, but hear what I'm saying. This is not just some preacher's opinion. It is just possible that this is God's Word. It's just possible that it's not naive, stupid people that believe it. 
It's just possible that educated people that, that watch the flow of archaeology, of history, that see how documented prophecies were fulfilled hundreds of years later, that there's a central message in one book containing 66 different books written by over 40 people over almost 2,000 years bears one central message. Notice what it says, verse 24. God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their heart desired. That's one of the saddest verses I've ever read. They did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin... They suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Verse 28, they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God. So God abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things they should never be done. But yet one day there is a day of reckoning. Um, let's learn from David a little bit now. And I know you're quiet and thinking because this is as diametrically opposed in our culture as anything I could say today. It is probably the most. But how many know just because a large number of people may agree it, just because laws are made to protect something, it doesn't make it right. God loves everyone. Listen, and I love everyone. I don't care if you're gay or straight. I don't care if you're addicted to pornography. I don't care if you're a child abuser. I love you. I know child abusers that were in our church at one time, got to convicted, they're in jail. Before they left, I loved them, I hugged them, prayed for them, I write them letters in jail. I've hugged in my arms people dying with AIDS because of homosexual activity. I had begged fathers not to leave their children when they were walking away for it. So I, I live in all this. I fight the thoughts of much of this, as you do. But God's Word, come on now, is God's Word. And, and I'm either going to shake my fist at God and say I don't care or I'm going to bow my knee. I think I'm going to bow my knee. Let's wrap up with David. Three lessons from David's wrong choice. There's some more information here I don't have time to cover. If you want to get the notes, it's, it's all, all, all there. Uh, three lessons from David's wrong choice. Second uh, Samuel 11. In the spring when kings go off to war, David sends Joab out with the whole Israelite army. But what's the next phrase? David stayed in Jerusalem. Now let me give you three quick lessons. They're worth writing down. When we're where we shouldn't be, we may do what we shouldn't do. I kind of kidded with the church last night on Saturday night. I said, now look, if you a little hungry and don't have any money and you're thirsty and you just want to get you some water and a chicken wing or some water and, you know, a chicken strip, stop by the gas station. Don't stop by Hooters and don't stop by, uh, uh, don't stop by Shooters. Because they offer more than lemonade and chicken wings. Okay. When we're where we shouldn't be, you're more likely to do what we shouldn't do. There are some places that I will not go. There are some internet sites I will not click on because I know where they'll take me. And here's what I know. It's easier to say no when I'm firmly over here 
if I take a detour over here for whatever reason, it's harder to get back out. Because when you have sex with someone, your body releases hormones that bond you to that person. That's God's design. That's how God would, would keep a man and a woman together. If you are a virgin when you marry, and both of you are virgins, you haven't had sex with anybody, your first bonding hormones are with one another. But when you've bonded with 50 people, come on, it gets more complicated. I can tell you it's true. It's, it, it is. Uh, verse 2, it just is easier to say no before you get there. There's some parties, kids, I wouldn't go to. And I don't care if they laugh at me. I don't care if, uh, if uh, they make fun of me. I don't care if they make fun of me on Facebook. And you got to get over to the fact when you're at home by yourself and everybody else is having fun on Facebook when you chose not to go, somehow that step is pleasing to the Lord. My daughter Bethany, when she married, she gave, she, and she didn't mind me saying this, but she was a virgin when she married. She said, uh, obviously it was hard for her, like it's hard for anybody, but she said, Dad, all my girlfriends, or many of my girlfriends, came to me when I got married and said, I, we wish we'd have followed your example. The girls that were promiscuous when Bethany was in high school that were having sex, they went from one guy to one guy to one guy. Come on, looking for love, looking for happiness, looking for acceptance. But she said, when, they got to be, when I got married, they had already gone through a number of guys, all of which replaced them. Isn't that interesting? How it's like the sexual experience can be the thing the guy will do anything to get. But once he gets it, it's just a trophy on the wall. I'm preaching better than you're amening. <laughs> one evening, uh, let me give you another one. David got up from his bed, walked around the roof of the palace. He saw a woman bathing. Very beautiful. I wonder if it was the first time he'd seen her or if he'd seen her before. Now, I don't know. In either case, the, the point is the same. Get away while you can. But you know it's just possible that David knew what time she took, to, took a bath and went up there to watch. And it's possible that he reasoned within himself, all I'm doing is looking. It's possible. I say this to you, my second point. Get away while you can. It is a lot easier to get away when you're here than when you're here. Get away while you can. Turn it off while you can. Listen to me on this one. Some of you need to respond to this one. Get out of the relationship while you can. Even if it meant finding another job, I think this is more important. Get out of relationships leading you to God. Get rid of your devices or websites that make you sin. Cancel the subscription. Because the closer you get and the longer you look, the harder it is to say no. And all the church said? Amen. Let me give you a third one. We'll, we'll wrap it up. Guard what you see and hear. Job 31 verse 1, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look at lust with, with lust at a young woman. Wasn't Bathsheba beautiful? He saw her. Your eyes are the windows of your soul. I saw hardcore pornography one time in my life. I was on a missions trip, believe it or not. We were in Mexico. And, and I don't even know where we were, but we were staying in some sleazy hotel, and I, and I made the mistake of turning the television on because the first thing that came on was this hardcore porn scene, and I did not get some popcorn and watch it, okay? I flipped right off of it, 
but the image stuck in my mind. It made an imprint. You're watching TV today. You know when the sex scene's coming. You know when it's time to hit the fast-forward button. It's better in my house if my wife has the, has the fast-forward button because she's a second or two quicker than I am. You're just looking so holy out there today. We better wrap up. We'll finish this up next time. Look at verse 3. Uh, and next time we're really going to talk a lot about the benefits of purity. But verse 3, David sent someone to find out about the woman. And the man said, she's Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David sent messengers to get her. This is his friend's wife. She came to him and he slept with her. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I'm pregnant. Now, if you know the story, that's when the cover-up begins. David did what, you know, we all do when we mess up. Our first response is not to fess up. Our first response is to cover up. So he had this brilliant idea. He's going to get her husband to come home from battle, and he's going to assume that he's going to go sleep with his wife, and then, voila, it's his baby. But it didn't work. It said the man had more honor than David. He slept outside because the rest of the soldiers were still in, at war. He had another aha moment. I'll get him drunk. And then he'll sleep with her. But he didn't. And each time the lies told, the next one is more consequential. So this time he says, I guess I'm going to have to kill him. So he rationalized in his mind and he killed his friend Uriah. Next few verses, she mourns for a while. Then he marries her, brings her in a home. They have a baby. And everything seems okay. But here's my last verse. 2 Samuel eleven twenty seven, 27. The thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And this is where I hope you and I all live, that we want to please the Lord. I, I, I don't have enough willpower on my own. But if my love for God is great in my heart, it's a good chance I'll stay on the right side of the line. David is about to learn that the wrong sexual choice will have terrible, even lifelong consequences. We'll talk about that next go-round. But I'm going to say just a couple, a couple uh, things in closing, some remarks. If you're here today and you're tied up in some sexual sin, I don't care what it is. I don't care if you're in adultery. I don't care if you're slept, slept with everybody in your high school class. I don't care if you're addicted to pornography. I don't care if you're gay. I don't care if you're gay marriage. You're welcome in this church. Now, you can't teach a Sunday school class any more than I could if I had a girlfriend on the side. There's a standard of righteousness. But don't, ever, don't, don't, don't walk away from here saying you heard some hateful bigot. You hear somebody that tells you you're loved by God because I was loved by God in the midst of my sin. Let's not get too holy. Didn't Jesus say if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery with her? And apart from a couple angelic people in this room, probably all of us are guilty. Let me tell you the second thing I want to tell you. If you're a virgin today, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. You will not hear that at school or wherever you go. But I am proud of you. 
get you a purity ring and wear it proudly until you can give your wife and husband what they deserve. But the last thing I want to say to the rest of us, if you've made wrong choices in your past, it's left at the cross. It's under the blood of Jesus. And if you are making choices today to live a sexually pure life, whether you're single or adult, young or old, from this day forward, I want to tell you as your pastor and friend, I am proud of you. Because it pleases God when you choose the path of righteousness. Give him a hand today. He's worthy of praise. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? And I bet you didn't expect this when you came to church today. Please remember the word of the Lord. It matters, the sexual choices that we make. I want you to bow your head just a moment and have a private moment with God. And I want to ask us to do two things. Number one, I'm going to ask you before God to repent. If there's things in your life where the Holy Spirit has convicted you, where the Word of God is clear, I'm going to ask you to repent. And then I'm going to ask you to join me and commit to sexual purity. But let's just linger on that first one just a moment. Nobody has to know but you and God. For many of us in this room, we have battled this thing all our life. And we get ahead a while and we fall back and then the devil beats us up with shame and condemnation. But I want to just encourage you today to ask the Lord to forgive you and to help you. You see, you don't get delivered from your friends, only your enemies. And you need to call this pleasurable, immoral act an enemy. And ask the Holy Spirit to give you grace to walk away from it. Now I want you to join me in the second thing today. If you're here today and say, Pastor, whether young or old, married or single, I want to commit today and the future to live a life of purity before God. I want you to just slip your hands to heaven. Nobody looking around. We're raising our hands today to say, God, we want to live pure lives. Married, single, young, old. The way we act and the way we think. But we cannot do this on our own. We need the strength of the Holy Spirit. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. I want you to ask the Lord to help you find that now. I want you to ask the Lord to help take desires away that are evil. I want you to ask the Lord to help you get out of the tangled mess and be free because he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Baptize us with your spirit, Lord. Give us spiritual power to say yes to the right thing and no in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's close with one last song. And I want to ask you, hang on just a second before you slip out. But if you're here today and you want prayer for anything, we'd be honored to pray for you. Anything. Your, your life, your kids' lives, doesn't matter. We'd be honored to pray. But the most big thing we'd like to pray for today is your personal relationship with God. If you're here today and you're not where you need to be in your relationship with God, if you've wandered away from God, if you've never known what it means to know Jesus as your Savior, I'm going to encourage you as we sing this next song to join me at the altar. I'm going to encourage you to take a step that I took when I was 19 years of age. 
I asked God to forgive me for what I'd done wrong. And I turned my life over to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. You say, how'd you do it, Pastor? I just prayed a prayer. And I walked away from my past and walked towards God. That's why we ask you to walk towards the cross. Not to embarrass you. Because we know there's power when we walk away from the old towards the new. If you need to get right with God, when we start playing this song, you come. Go ahead and begin to play, Zach. Our prayer team is coming to the front right now. If you need prayer for anything, you come. Most importantly, if you need to get your life right with God, we'll see you at the cross. I love you. Thanks for coming.